Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Alan Robinson, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined today by the NFL and NFL draft analyst, the key NFL writer over there at Yahoo.com. You know him very well from Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. His name is Eric Edholm. It's not just a, a fan, it's not just a fancy um, what fancy pseudonym or uh, alter ego has come up. Yeah, come, come come up with on Twitter, Eric. What the hell's going on, brother? Uh, you know what? It's it's a busy time, as you know. We've got playoffs. We've got head coaching and GM moves. We've got draft stuff, and you know it's 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 a fun time. You know, there's always like that that period that wears you down during the regular season, and then you kind of get amped for the postseason and all the other movement that happens. So we're just powering through on adrenaline at this point. Hey, hey, man! I didn't ask you pre-show, and I, I, I guess I, I, I don't know where do you, where do you live? Where are you based out of? Yeah, I'm based out of the Chicago suburbs. My wife and I live about 40 minutes from the city, and I've been in the Chicago area now since 2002. So it's been a little while, and my family was here originally. So I have uh, pretty strong roots in Chicago. I, I, I have. I was actually, man. I, I feel embarrassed to. I feel. As a Texan, you know, I'm a I'm here in Texas. I've right. not not a, not a, not embarrassed to admit it, but I was actually born when my mom was going to school at Northwestern at the Evanston General Hospital. So no kidding, Ch- very cool. Chicago, uh, Chicago suburbs. Whenever we used to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off, she used to tell me that that was the neighborhood that they lived in. <laughs> That's where we lived, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but, Northwestern's one of those places that if you look at my home on a map and Northwestern. Oh, you'll get there in 25 minutes. No, you got to take about 18 different roads to get there. I've made that trip a few times, and it's like a seven-hour journey, actually. So you got to, got to, got to trek through some snow. Some, some yes. <laughs> hey, just and just while I while I have you, dude, I can't like I ask this all the time on the on the serious show when people call in and ask questions from from uh, Chicago. I won't answer their fantasy questions until they tell me where to get the best pizza there. Like, is is there a place or a style or? I, I know Chicago. I, I know folks in Chicago are pretty serious about their pizza. They are, yeah. I mean, obviously, and I grew up in Boston too, so there's that whole like New York and Haven oh. thing, and like you know, pizza. Obviously, you go to different parts of the country, you get different beliefs of what it actually is. The deep dish stuff here is is very you know sort of unique to Chicago, and I it's not for everybody. But I will say, if you, if you want to give the deep dish a try, or if you are a fan, Pequod's is kind of the 
I've heard of it. Yeah. The cool guy hipster spot. I mean, it's good too. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not just sort of, but the, the, the off the radar one, this is for your real like VIP insider people here. Art of pizza. It's in this little strip mall on Western Avenue in the middle of nowhere in the city. And my wife and I used to go out of our way to get it. It wasn't too, too far, but that's kind of the insider spot. So I'm giving away some pretty good uh, material here on your show. <laughs> All right. We're, yeah. we're already off to a good start. And just, just out of curiosity, out of curiosity, I don't want to make this a pizza podcast, but <laughs> like, do you, do you, um, t- being from the Northeast, I you still like the thin slice pizza better, don't you? Cause just cause that's what you grew up on or, or do you actually have, have you actually gotten to where you actually like the deep because the deep dish stuff feels almost like more like a dish, like a pie. Like, yeah, well, you, you got to eat it with a fork and knife. I, I think that's how I've eaten it. Um, yeah. is, 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 is that how you eat it? And do you like it better than the thin crust stuff that you get like in New York or just around the, the Northeast? Yeah, I'm trying to think which branch of my family I'm willing to offend the easily easiest <laughs> here. But uh, I like both for what they are. I mean, like deep dish, like you said, it's not really pizza. It's more of a, you know, calzone type pie type thing, you know, whatever. I remember ordering a large pizza for, for me and two Boston friends who were coming to visit me. And they're like, you only order one pizza. Cause you know, those, these are big dudes and they can throw down the thin slice. Like, eight uh, right. Slices. right. I said, I think you'll, you'll, you'll reevaluate. And sure enough, we were passed out on the couch after <laughs> you know, two slices each. So yeah. it's, it's an, you know, it's an investment when you try to eat that stuff. Literally. It, like mm-hmm. it's, it, it's expensive to buy those pizzas. Oh, it's like, 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 thir- $40 like $35. Dollars, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, the, I guess I'll segue out of this by saying maybe uh, I, oh, 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 Ohio is actually known for its large Italian populations. That's something I didn't ever know until I started playing music and touring around the U.S. They have really good Italian food there. And then, of course, Urban Meyer, yeah. Ohio State. Urban Meyer looks like he's going to be taking the job now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we, we go seamlessly into football. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what, do you, what do you think, dude? So the, so the Jags. My my deal is this: being down, I'm 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 based just outside of Austin, Texas, and so yep. the, before Steve Sarkeesian got the job here, there was all the talk about how the boosters were, they, and and they were they were going after Urban hard, right? Yep. Um, Ten million, eleven million dollars, five year guarantees, all this stuff, and just throwing the book at him, and you got the sense that he was legit. Um, how should I say it? Like. There was always this health issue, right? And you think to yourself, well, it's a health issue, but these coaches, man, these coaches, they got a coach. And like, right. if, if it were something like if it was a heart issue or something like that, I'd be like, well, that's something you can kind of put in the back of your mind. You kind of know it's coming down the pike a little bit later on, but it's not affecting your day to day right now. This, as I learn more and more about urban situations, like this thing's actually something that's in his, I think in his brain or in his head, yeah. where it actually like gives him bad headaches that are induced by stress. And so like when he's talking about his health, about taking a college job, he's not just talking about his, you know, what's going to, what somebody's kicking down the kick, kick, kicking the can down the road later on. It's like, he's talking about his actual day to day. Maybe that he goes around with a bad headache all day or he, you yeah. know, he can't sleep. And that sounds pretty bad. And so like, I understood him like, he don't want to get back into football. He's got this job at Fox. It's like he works 20 hours a week. He has all this money. He has restaurants up in Ohio still. And then all of a sudden it's like, now he wants to go back to the grind of coaching. Like these NFL coaches sleep in their office. Um, I get that they have $75 million in cap space and maybe some more will open up Trevor Lawrence. I would just like to hear your thoughts on it in general, the, the fit. What do you think about, the, what do you, what do you think about all this? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me to speak to Urban Meyer's, you know, health concerns. Obviously, like you said, it might be a kind of a neurological thing or, or something that he's had to, you know, try different medications to see what works, what doesn't. Uh, you know, how often does it crop up? You know, I mean, obviously, I I don't yeah. dabble in the medicine, but my wife, <laughs> yeah. she's a doctor, so I okay. kind of listen to her very closely or whatever. But yeah, it's it's hard to know, and I'm sure questions about his health will come up as soon as his introductory press conference comes and. You know, is this the kind of thing you're going to bail after three years or what have you? But this has been in the works for a while, from what I can tell. And I understand, you know, obviously there were Texas and maybe other schools that, that probably thought they had a shot at him, pry him away from his his cushy TV job. And he was good at it, too. I'm sure you saw great. Him, like, yeah, very explaining good. concepts, you know, and, and making it easy to understand for people who are, you know, either experts or laymen. I mean, they, it was great. But I think that itch always was there. And. I, I I think money certainly has a big part of it. You know, the Trevor Lawrence is, I'm sure he's smitten with him as a talent. Obviously there's Justin Fields too, if he wants to go the Ryan Day, Ohio state route. But I mean, I, I also don't dismiss the idea of him going back to the state of Florida, a quick little hop, skip and a jump from Gainesville. And I, I just sort of always felt like urban never felt like he got the recognition right or wrong. I don't, I'm not trying to, I just feel like he never thought he got the recognition for what he did at Florida. There was a lot of stuff that went on there mm-hmm. that obviously kind of, you know, crossed the line, whatever. Uh, and he got, you know, reamed for, got in trouble for, mm-hmm. had to walk out of the job for health was, was cited as the reason why. And now he gets to go in the NFL with a well-paying job, the robo quarterback and a team that has nowhere to go, but up. I mean, it, it, it probably looked pretty good to him on paper and, and there's nobody who smells an opportunity better than urban Meyer. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I just think he has a great instinct for this is a, a good spot for me. I, I can do something here. And he's done that every stop of the way. Do you, what do you think about just, um, what do you think about the idea? And what I've heard some people say is like, Oh, well he's in for a rude awakening because this year he's, it gets to be like he was in college where he can go out and he can, he can affect the kind of players that he's going to get. Whereas in, in the NFL, it's like you, you, like you line up and you get in order and you pick your draft slot in this spot and then right. you, you let the others go. And if a player, if your pro scouting department likes a player and he gets waived, like you, you lined up in your waiver order and you like, you can pick him out then, but it's not like you can just by your own uh, force of your personality or your work ethic can, can get better players than, than, than others. He seems like he'll have a chance to really have a supermarket sweep this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, do you – what do you think? I mean, is that so, – like – it's like that just – that seems like a debate online that people are – that people are having. Do you think that's going to be anything that um, – any a bit of trouble that he could run into as, a, as an NFL coach? Yeah, I mean, right. The idea that, you know, there are 85-man rosters in college football and you can just stock up on as many five stars as, as you can possibly sign sure. and have a quarterback in the works every year. And, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, his spread system certainly, you know, came from other people, but he made it his own and there's the X and O's aspect of it. But to me, I mean, you know, you're, you're still kind of the CEO. Uh, and, and I think people at Ohio State certainly – treat their their program like a franchise like an nfl franchise would (laughs) you know i mean interpret that however you may uh florida (laughs) probably has those same you know grandeur delusions and all that i don't mean delusions but you know what i mean 
the belief that this thing is is a huge operation and, yeah. and Urban Meyer is, you know, the buck stops with him. So mm-hmm. from that kind of CEO standpoint, you know, with an NFL head coach, I think what I've heard from people who have been talented coaches who have flamed out as head coaches end up as good coordinators or what have you. I think oftentimes they underestimate the responsibilities on the job, you know, the handling of the media. You're, you're the, the first guy everybody blames when things go, don't go right. You know, you have to oversee offense, defense, special teams, personnel, the whole bit. I mean, it's a lot, uh, you know, so I think he has the ability to kind of handle all that stuff while also having a, a great grasp on offensive football and what, what it takes to win. Can he do it with the 53-man roster and with his only recruiting window coming in for agency when the, when the Jags have money to spend? You know, that may be his one opportunity to use those college recruiting skills and kind of use and, uh, you know, transfer them to the NFL. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be fascinating. It sounds like, you know, th- this could really end up being a very, very interesting division, especially with the, the Texans reloading. You know, the, the Colts might be on the cusp. The Titans are kind of this this sort of wild card option out there and doing their own thing. Mike Vrabel came from Ohio State, where he was the DC for mm-hmm. Urban. I don't know. There's just so many angles to this. I'm just I'm just totally fascinated. All right. Well, moving out west, it seems like uh, it, it seems like you. I I can always tell when I can always tell when national writers like yourself have have good have good scoops on stories or might have a good beat on things like because like right after something gets announced. You confirm it, and then you and then you have your article ready to go <laughs> that very that very <laughs> second the news breaks. That's how it was with you and George Payton, the new Broncos GM. I'd been saying for I and I'd, I'd gotten slandered by Broncos fans for saying, "Look, man, I know I know Elway's your golden boy, but his time has gotten past stale. He's right. made too many bad too many bad quarterback decisions. Um, you could keep him on as part of the organization, but get some new God damn it, get some new blood in there, and I." I'd just like to hear your um, – I unfortunately, since we hopped on here, I just I just seen your tweet about tweeting out your, your feature on him. I would just like to get some background from you on George Payton because I texted with a friend of mine who used to work in uh, – work with the Vikings. He's with a different team now. But I was just saying, like, well, did you like the dude? What's he like? And he said he's my favorite guy in the building. He said he had the best job in football for 14 years at Spielman's backboard. He's sharp as hell. He's a true tape scout. He's going to do great. Um so, and that's from a guy who I really, I, who I really trust and like his style. Um, I was able to see just a quick 20 second clip of Peyton just sort of saying hello to the Denver fan base and saying that yep. he's happy to get on board. Um, but other than that, I don't really know much about him. I, uh, can you give us the background on the new uh, Denver Broncos GM? Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he started, he was a California kid. He grew up there, uh, went to UCLA, was teammates with Troy Aikman for, I believe a year, maybe two, but um, you know, defensive back really, you know, was a sort of a, the, the, the try hard guy didn't have the athletic traits to make it as a, as a professional football, but, you know, always kind of wanted to stay in the game and, and kind of worked his way up the, the, the chain a little bit. And he and Rick crossed paths, you know, and they became allies and, and really, you know, trusted companions. And, um, I believe it was first the bears somewhere around 2000, 2001, I'm off the top of my head, I'm going here, but um, and then to Miami when Rick was GM there, and then they both made the jaunt up to Minnesota when he got the job, like you said, 14 years ago. And you know the Vikings have had a lot of good front office talent. They've had they've had strong you know scouting uh, department there. Scott Studwell for years, and obviously oh, Stud, Rick, yeah. yeah, yeah, Stud was the, the guy. And so 
<clears throat> you know, Rob Brzezinski handled the cap and, and George was kind of, you know, Rick's consigliere, you know, he was his, his second in command. And, and, uh, and also one of the things like you mentioned, he's a tape scout and that's an important distinction to make. This is this guy who grew up as a grinder and I don't think he's lost any of that work ethic, but you know, what he did that a lot of his contemporaries didn't do 10, 12 years ago, or maybe even more recent than that was embrace the analytics side of it. And I know everybody mm-hmm. gets excited about that, but he helped kind of create the analytics sort of platform that the Vikings have adapted and then, but, but basically used now for, for a long time, <clears throat> you know, that, that obviously carries a lot of, a lot of weight now because the analytic portion of it, you know, as people always say, it's like extra information. Why would you turn it down? You're not going to use it as your, your sole force, but it's part of the deal. <clears throat> and George could be selective, right? It was like kind of like Eric DaCosta in, in Baltimore or Chris Ballard, where these guys were getting interview requests almost every year. But George turned down a lot. And he got to a second interview with the Browns last year and withdrew, which is, you know, usually at that point of the process, you're kind of in. Right? Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But he cited some concerns about the ownership structure and the power structure of the Browns, which – you know, at the time felt like a very legitimate gripe, you know, who's all the shots, the owners handing in draft cards with Manziel. And, you know, what do do we have here? So (laughs) I don't mean to be so long winded about it, but yeah, it's great. And and George almost was the 49ers GM when John Lynch got it. It was almost going to be Shanahan and George Payton and, you know, an appeal to George because he's a California guy. And I think the opening and just the opportunity looks so good, but you know, he turned down other opportunities, and and from people I talked to, this was kind of a dream job for him. Even if some onlookers might say, "Hey, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you, know, you got you got some things to clean up." Shanahan, maybe like his dad, Kubiak, Vikings. There could have been some kind of con- some sure. sort of connection around that time. But like that all makes that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I but I think he's probably happy with how it ended up, and I'll bet Lynch is happy with how it ended. You know, sure. probably ended up best for for all parties. Do you, what, what? What did you think? Um, I, he 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 had to be part of the decision to, to to draft Justin Jefferson. How how big of a surprise was Justin Jefferson to you this year? Were you on the um? Were you on the were you on the bandwagon? I I was a little bit on the deal. It's like why did you draft Justin Jefferson? He played slot the whole time in college, and you have a guy that's a pseudo sort of outside Z, stretch Z slash slot wide receiver in right. Adam Thielen. Um, it didn't seem like the best fit, and then he comes into the league and makes me look like a total, you know, total dumbass. <laughs> I, I think I had Jefferson as my number twenty four overall prospect, so right around is, where they took I think, him. I, I like where he went, right? Twenty five, yeah, twenty five, somewhere in that somewhere range. In yeah, so within a, a couple picks of that spot, so. I think I had a high second round grade on him. I think I only gave out like 21, 20, 22 first round grades last year. So it was like right below the cusp of first round grade. And, you know, I said the same question that you did, which is, you know, I'm not saying slot receivers aren't important. Of course they are. But for the reasons you pointed out, you know, is there, because when he played outside in 2018, now granted it wasn't the same offense offense. arriving, wasn't, you know, he wasn't terrible. It wasn't just wasn't nearly as effective, you know. So when I talked to people at LSU about him, though, they were like, bro, you got to knock that off. The, the the inside outside thing. This dude is a gamer like they would. They raved about him. And when they didn't rave as much about some other players, 
you know, you could tell it was coming from a very earnest place. It wasn't like they were just talking up every oh, he's the best. You got to take him. And, you know, no, no, no. They were saying, look, if there's a guy you're going to doubt from our class that and they had a big one last year, it should <laughs> be Justin Jefferson. I felt a yeah. level of trust from the school that that made me think he was going to be good. Fourteen hundred yards, good in in year one. No, I didn't. I didn't see that coming at all. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's that egregious looking. I mean, I had him as my wide receiver three behind CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. Is like, there you go. Like, it, but, uh, that seems like probably about where you had him based on the way that the the way that the the board felt, depending on how you felt about rugs. So it's like the uh, the my thing. My thing now is Justin Jefferson has surpassed my. Like, he's he's just been he's been he's been a phenom, and now we're onto this draft and we have Jamar Chase who sat out this year. And when you look at that Joe Burrow, uh, that culmination of the, of the Joe, the final culmination of the Joe Brady offense and, and where you had Burrow and you had all the more weapons than you can even count. Right. right. Um, but Jamar Chase was kind of the alpha. <laughs> it, it, it seemed, it seemed like to me, um, and if he's the alpha and Justin Jefferson's also there, you start thinking to yourself, holy crap. And then, but then I just think, well, on Monday, I just watched what I, what might be one of the, one of the best college wide receivers I've ever seen in my life in Devonte and Devonte Smith. And I've, I've already started thinking in my head, this is going to be, a, this is going to be impossible to decide which one of these guys I like better. Do you have a take on this yet? Eric? Edholm? Yeah. And I mean, I need to go back and rewatch Jamar uh, Chase because Obviously, I saw him at 19 years old. My goodness, right? Do what he did last year, the 20 touchdowns and everything else. And, you know, just makes some phenomenal plays with, I mean, he's he's such an intense player. And he, you know, he's not going to test with elite speed. He doesn't possess elite size, but he has elite competitiveness and ball skills and things like that. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I mean, like the, the traits are are important and it applies to Devontae Smith too, but you can't get hung up on, you know, a tenth of a second here or an inch here or a couple of pounds there, if you consistently see these guys separating and, and giving their quarterbacks terrific windows to throw into and then have that yards after the catch, that tackle breaking ability. I mean, catch the football and then do something with it. I mean, I, not to make it too simple, but like <laughs> both guys can do it. I'm not worried about either. Like I, I get it. There aren't a whole lot of 175 pound receivers in this league who, who succeed at that height, especially the longer guys, but I'm fine with Devonte. I think I'm going to ha- end up and I haven't finalized the grade. I suppose I'm going to end up with Devonte being slightly higher. My question is, is that going to be recency bias? That's what I'm hoping to figure out when I go back and watch five or six games of Jamar from last year, because you know, as, as a scout once told me, he's like, you know, we have the combine right before the draft, roughly a couple months, you know, 
and everybody, the, the testers always get drafted higher. Like it, yeah. do we forget that they're football players? And I think it applies to this year with all the opt outs. Do you, do you, do you think we're going to, well, I have, I have very little, I'm, I'm just thankful that we get the senior bowl. Yeah. If you would have, if you would have told me, if you would have told me back in September, it's like, man, I, I can tell you right now that you can have the senior bowl, but you're not going to have the combine. I'd have said deal. You know, yeah. I'd have said if, yeah. if, at least I get one. I'm thankful we get the senior bowl and we, and we can go, right? Like we can be in the stands. We can watch practice as, as media. First question, do you think, do you think there's going to be a combine and two, I mean, is there a snowball's chance in hell that media is allowed in any sort of capacity this this year? What do you what do you think? I see you at the combine every single year. I know you're always there too. So, yeah. what, do you, what do you what do you think? Is our uh, is our street going to get blown up here or what? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. The, the signs are pointing very much against the combine happening at the originally scheduled time of you know late February, early March, or whatever it is. So. Um, you know, I wouldn't plan on it occurring in Indianapolis at that time. And the reasons are, are multiple, but the NCAA tournament has already announced that starting with March 14th, I believe off the oh, top of Oh, I forgot about that. That's true. All having the tournament whole, games, yeah, like yeah. a bubble. They're having five yeah, different yeah. whatever. So it's a good town for it. It's a good town for, for oh. it. I mean, the way it's built in the downtown, I mean, you know how walkable everything is and yeah. how interconnected it all is. It's, it's a, a good convention spot. town. Yeah, yeah. That's really what it is. And it's a great sports town too. And, and I mean, what they're worried about is that, you know, the hospital staff's going to get overwhelmed two weeks before the week before the tournament. And then all these other people come in, it's just going to create this like COVID hotspot, you know, and, and, you know, vaccinations are just trickling in and things like that. So you know, conditions won't be remarkably better, I don't think, between now and, and the beginning of March. So that's the, the local concern. You know, the, the convention center doesn't list it on its events calendar. Uh, people's money have, has been re- refunded. People who applied oh. for vendor space at the Combine, their money has been refunded. In a lot of cases, hotels have been refunded in some cases. So my bet is it's not going to happen there. I suspect they're going to do four regional combines, you know, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest, Northeast, whatever, or something in the Midwest. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know at this point, but media, you got me. I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. Maybe, well, maybe if they do a regional one, to set up more like a pro day, like you can go to, like I could go to the Dallas one or something like that and have to stand off in the, Yep, social distanced area or something. I mean, maybe they can give us something like that. Dallas, California, you know, Chicago, Chicago and whatever, whatever, and then DC you know, or something. Yeah, yeah something. somewhere like that to to kind of get everybody sort of close by. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure. I, I just, I, I, it's gonna, it's gonna, Eric, is it gonna make your job? I know it's, golly. I mean, we focus mainly uh, at roster watch. We focus mainly on the wide, the wide house and the running backs because we're a fantasy company. Yep. But it's gonna, it's like we kind of need those numbers to put in certain models and stuff like that. It's gonna be a lot of these guys. I don't necessarily want to be dealing with pro day, pro day numbers on on all of them. It's gonna, is you feel like it's gonna make your job harder with no combine, or might it be a way to kind of open your eyes up to say, you know what, this will be a year where I take a step back and my I, my I, my process is being forced to be refined a, a little bit here to where I don't rely so much on that, uh, so, 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 so much on that empirical data. 
Yeah, I mean, right. I think we'll get heights and weights and arm lengths and all that stuff wherever. You know, you can get that stuff done pretty pretty readily. But obviously the you know, the 40-yard dash, the 10-yard split, the three-cone drill, the vertical jump, horizontal jump, it paints a picture, right? Obviously, my my rule of thumb, and it, you know, it's not by any means a hard and fast rule, but if you're in the bottom 20% of a category, it's going to kind of raise a red flag for me. If you're in the upper or even 25%, whatever, the upper 25%, it's certainly going to set you apart. The middle 50, there's there's really not a a huge difference, but yeah, I mean, sometimes there are, there's shocking numbers that like, you know, um, the, the Washington running back who ended up on the, the dolphins this year, Ahmed, um, uh, Salvan Ahmed, Salvan Ahmed. Yeah. He like, you know, he, he ran a four, three, eight in high school, but ran a four, six, three at the combine. You know what I mean? Or you see these numbers that just don't make any sense. Uh, Alan Robinson ran a four, six and, you know, I mean, other guys who are just so out of whack, you go, yeah Dalvin Cook had a terrible workout so some of these things can be red herrings they can make you think he's not athletic well he is he had a bad game or a bad day I mean or whatever but yeah does it take information away from us yes but like you to your point maybe that helps us focus on the game tape the performance other traits and how they stand out and, and and things like that Sometimes, dude, sometimes it takes something like interfering in your life or your job or something like that to help you like refine a process and you just kind of take it as it goes. Remove so. the clutter. Yeah, yeah right. We'll, yeah. We'll, just, we'll just see. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. All right. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with Eric Edholm. You can find him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm and all of his content over there at Yahoo Sports, NFL, NFL Draft. He, he does it all over there and certainly can't recommend enough that you give him a follow over there on Twitter. I just wanted to one, what, what, one last thing I wanted to do with you before I got you out of here is I had a, uh, I have a free agency uh, list pulled up here and I just wanted to talk over some, uh, some wide receivers and, and some different position players and all look, a lot of these guys will get franchise tagged and stuff. Yeah. We're not going to see a bunch of big blockbuster, uh, you know, who knows what we see. It's, it's <laughs> Jesus, who who even knows these days? Right. But uh, if if they have to go to a new team, and I must tell everybody that this is anything where I sent you these in advance. You have no idea what I'm about to ask, so I'm, so I'm sorry to put you on the spot. All but, good. But if they had to, if, if they go to a new team, that's the rule. What new team would you like to see them with? Okay. Right? So how about how about Chris Godwin? He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good that, at football, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's good at the sport. Uh, even with that terrible game against Washington, I mean, I can't, you know, he still had 80 yards or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He could have had about 150 in that game. Yeah. When he caught it. But yeah, I mean, the 2019 season, I felt like really gave us a glimpse of what he could become. And obviously, there were some injuries this year and, you know, things that kind of helped throw him off the, the, the track a little. Like you said, I, I assume. The Buccaneers are going to heavily consider franchise tagging him. <sighs> That's a great question. I would probably say that the New York Jets are in dire need of, of wide receivers. Yeah, they, yeah, I like they it. They have to be one of the, the ones involved. I, the New York Giants, I believe, are also going to be – it could end up being a New York, New York thing. I have to think that they're going to be invested in, in getting more wideouts around Slayton and, and maybe moving on from Evan Ingram and things like that. So – you know, and there's obviously a ton of receivers, so I don't know. Maybe Miami, you know, if they're not going to use a receiver at number three overall, they could be a possibility. Oh, yeah. But 
I sort of feel like New York could be in play here. All right. Uh, how about just a, just a few more? What about Allen Robinson? He's he, man. That guy doesn't seem like he's ever happy anywhere he is, and I <laughs> I might not be either if I have had the quarterbacks he's had in his 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 career. You think he's gonna? You think he's gonna? You think he's gonna go anywhere? And uh, where would you like to see him end up if he did? Yeah, I mean, to your point. I think he could go almost anywhere and upgrade at his quarterback spot. <laughs> right? yeah. That's the good news. There are a lot of options. And I guess I'll be curious what the money is going to be for him. You know, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about Godwin potentially going north of, of $20 million per year, if we're talking about Kenny Galladay potentially going north of $20 million a year, will he believe that he also should be getting that kind of money? Do you think he it, should? It's, it's close. Yeah. He's really good. I, I, I feel like he, you know, when you, when you watch him enough and I'm here in Chicago and obviously, you know, see quite a bit of him or whatever, it sort of feels like his production would be 20% greater almost anywhere else. So yeah, I think that's fair. Like, okay. You tell me Juju Smith Schuster's not worth 20 million a year. I get it. But with him, I would, I would go up to 20, I think on, on Robinson and, Maybe the loser of the guy. I, I to me, I would. I think there's a little more appeal in Godwin than there is his for his fellow Penn State guy. But so whichever team doesn't get him, let's say Giants and Jets end up in that mix. I could see the other one being involved. We mentioned Miami before. You know, I, I'm I'm sure there's another quarterback or wide receiver needy team off the top of my head that I'm blanking on. But those are the ones that sort of come to mind right away, and, and at least in my head. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about some of the good landing spots for these these wide receivers, and I think if we talked about like a Corey Davis or one of these other guys, we'd probably come up with some of the other, some of the same kind same kind of spots. But what, just one more wide receiver that I'm, that, yeah. that, that I'm going to ask you about a quarterback. Uh, what about Will Fuller? Do you think he stays with the Texans, and where could you see a good landing spot for him? Be yeah, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, obviously the speed just the effect that has on an offense, right? Even if he's not catching, you know, every nine route he runs, I mean, it's, you got to respect it. And that's, there's something about that, that, I mean, when you have elite NFL speed, that's a different deal. Does he drop passes? Yes. Is he inconsistent game to game? Absolutely. You know, but um, he was never a number one, obviously where DeAndre Hopkins was for a long time. You don't expect him to be, but um I guess it depends on whether the Packers what they do in this postseason. But if they, let's say they, I knew you were going to say it. That That's right? what I would have said too. Yeah, I'm just man. trying to think of a different one than we've already named so far, and they're the one. It's that, the Packers. Yeah. It's yeah, the best right. answer. It's the best. Rodgers needs a deep threat. They didn't yep. get one in the draft, you know, so. That that's one that that makes some sense. I feel like they've always kind of kept an eye on him and maybe inquired with him and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I would say that's a spot that if the money doesn't get too crazy, because it's a good receiver draft, too. You don't necessarily oh, yeah. have to spend this year. I don't know. It's very interesting. All right. Uh, one one last one here. And this isn't really the same about you picking where they want to go. This is Eric Edholm, GM of what the, 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 the Chicago, 33rd NFL team. Yeah, yeah. whatever. The, 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 the Chicago north side, you know, ghost face killers. <laughs> or something like yeah. That. yeah. Um, all right. So it's um, it is to start your expansion team. You get one free agent quarterback to start things out with. And it's either Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> wow. I mean, 
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.